Welcome uh, to uh, a weekend uh, show. Uh, like I said, I was going to do it on Saturday at 7. It's just going to be 45 minutes. Um, and I guess it'll be kind of um, uh, what we need to be aware of entering uh, next week uh, and uh, after the next seven weeks. So, it was back in May uh, that and April that I that I told my listeners that what we are going to experience in the summer is going to be pure insanity. I, I think the way I described it was we're going to be slitting our wrists, pulling our hair, screaming like, "How blatant is this? Why is this happening?" Right uh, and. I want you to know that that is how change happens. When you work out, you get sore muscles. Right? If you want to build up that muscle, if you want to lose that weight, your tummy's hungry, you're craving cookies and you can't have them, right? Uh, when you study, uh, you're, you're pulling all-nighters, you're drinking tons of coffee, right? There's always some form of struggle. And the struggle is not so much the anger and, and I have to stress this, that when we see things with angry eyes, um, we do not make good decisions. And we tend to uh, draw ourselves to uh, people and things and rhetoric that uh, responds to that anger. And that's normal because it's human nature. When you're angry, you want to hang out with the angry people. And this is why the next eight weeks uh, I, uh, that I said, you know, over a week ago was going to be a roller coaster. You're going to be empowered to feel great. Freedom is ringing. We're winning. And then you're going to be, what is going on here? Is this insane? And then again, right? And that's going to go up until Labor Day. After Labor Day, gloves are off. And this is where it's going to start to get really, really freaky. So, yeah, just like Ray said, growing pains kind of things. And, you know, people are like, I just wanted to get back to normal. But what is normal? anyone's perception. Um, obviously, we see that in New York, now it's normal for someone to rape you and beat you for a sandwich and a Coke uh, when there's uh, no one there. And it sounds almost comical. This, this is our nation today. This is how we're going to be living. Is this okay? Is this what we want for our great nation? The only nation on paper that says that we are free. No, right? And we're constantly angry, constantly angry. But, you know, when I listen to the words of my country, tis of thee, it doesn't anger me, right? That my nation is falling apart, that uh, this country, the idea of people being free is falling apart. It's making me want to arm myself now. Do I want to grab a musket and run? Maybe sometimes when I'm angry, right? 
But normal, there was, it was never normal. We were constantly under attack. We were always under a facade. So um, I thought that I could ask you a question. And for those of you that are on Periscope, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, you can answer this. If I told you that you would have to subscribe to one thing only and accept one thing, that all terrorism may be defeated, how would you feel about it? So please go ahead. Tell me how you would feel about it. If you would do one thing and terrorism would be eradicated. Because, you know, I had a conversation with someone that can actually make and shape um and contribute to making and shaping our world ideologies. And it was through there where I professed my, my um, frustrations in what is coming, and I've said this before, uh, that, um, you know, why is this gonna happen? And I was told how they're gonna make it happen. Because see, the one thing that I struggled with is how would they implement it? How would the people accept this? So if I told you that there's one thing you could do, like, you know, would you do it to eradicate terrorism? One thing. End of terrorism and war would be great. See? Exactly. So what is that? We'll put that idea on hold, right? And we're going to revisit it. So the other thing that I told you guys in April that would be happening after Labor Day aside from gloves are off, is something about the Pope. I told you that he's going to be going to the Hague and he's going to be signing some declaration of one religion, if you guys remember correctly. And it was at that point that I have been pondering on it. I knew that he was doing it because I remember it. I remember that he's doing that. But I thought to myself, if he's doing that, you know, I can't fathom Catholics saying, yeah, sure, we're all just one one God, so it's the God religion. And all Muslims saying, one God, God religion. Or the Jews, oh, yep, one God, God religion. I mean, would you, would you think that every religion would bow down to that? Honestly, would you? You probably wouldn't, right? And people are desperate to eradicate terrorism because that's unexpected attacks, right? Unexpected attacks. So how would you sell it to the different factions of Christianity, the Orthodox, which we're really strict, or uh, the Catholics, or the Lutherans, or the Baptists, or the Evangelists, or the Jehovah Witnesses? I'm just saying, how do you sell that? You can't, right? Well, I figured out how they are. So through this conversation. And so, well, Aliens is going to play a part for something else something else. And that's why arming ourselves with knowledge helps us. So we all know that we have been told that it is the uh, radicalization of Islam that brings upon terrorism. We've been told that that is what brings on terrorism. And so we believe that in order to end terrorism, we must end religious fanaticism. 
Now, I've expressed my concern a few times on air without getting too religious-y, but religion goes hand-in-hand with politics. Unlike many believe, that is a fact. One thing you need to know is that the Catholic Church did not carry true Christianity all this time. It actually abandoned it about 300 years ago. There are very few nations that actually carried Christianity, just a few nations. And one of those nations is the United States of America. It is for over 200 years, this nation has carried Christianity with the biggest torch there is. It was our founding fathers that actually wrote Bibles, right, that people would have in school. We were one nation under God, and oh boy, did they go for it. They should have said something more specific rather than God. But God is God, so let that be so. So when discussing, hey, I'm not, I'm terrified that the Pope is going to do this. Because now that Erdogan invited him to Hagia Sophia, which clearly means Saint Sophia, which in Muslim, in Islam, there are no saints, right? Um, and that was actually the flagship, the beacon of historical Christianity for centuries, uh, sitting in Constantinople, now known as Istanbul, after uh, the Ottomans took Greece. And I said to him, look, I'm a little bit salty that uh, he turned it into a mosque. But, you know, we have to understand that with war, uh, borders change, uh, property changes, right? So you can be salty all you want, right? But we do lose, you know, nations and we give birth to new ones. But he did something uh, yesterday when calling prayer in Hagia Sophia that was interesting. The imam actually went up the steps with the Ottoman sword of conquering. That is what the message was. And it was yesterday that Erdogan invited the Pope to come to Hagia Sophia for service. And the Pope accepted. Now, what we need to understand is that when they push this one religion, this unity of religion, it'll be for the greater good. Because this is what was said. Well, why is it a problem for you if everybody in the world has one religion. This is the conversation I had today. I said, what do you mean, what's the problem? Religion is personal. How you see God can be way different to how your neighbor does. How you pray is different. How you atone for your sins is different. How you repent is, it's so personal because it is that connection with that creator, yes? So how is it that we are now once again weaponizing, in a sense, religion? The Catholics did it. They used it as a way. This is why Catholicism was built. And, I, and I'm sorry for all you Catholics out there that don't know the story of Catholicism. But Catholicism was actually some idea they had to create a hand of God in order to punish those that did not listen to the queen. And so this is where the church split and it became two. It became Catholicism and Orthodox before it was just Christianity. 
So the Pope was created, and here's where they split. As church leaders across Europe and Africa and Asia got together and discussed Christianity, the West, the Far West, the British, the Romans, the Spanish, the French, the crowns, in other words, got together and said, well, here's the thing. What we need to do is make people fear God and listen to his word and keep them in check. The only way we can do that is if we have someone anointed by God on this planet. The Orthodox Christian said, hold on a second. No man is God and no man can speak for God. So how can you do this? Well, our priests will not have wives and engage in sin. Our Pope will be anointed as holy. And this is how it happened. Okay. This is exactly how Catholicism was brought on. Whereas the Orthodox Church said, no, even your priest is human. He will sin. Even your priest has carnal, you know, desires because they are human. They are not gods. But that's what happened. So that is the reality. So now that we're at the point where Christianity then factioned off and we had other, you know, versions of Christianity, we have come to the point where we've, uh, where these in power have decided that allowing people to personalize religion is no longer allowed. This is why we see the persecutions in China and how in churches there you are supposed to follow God's words as President Xi says so. Right. So there's certain there's like a new Bible, a, a President Xi version. And no matter how comical that sounds to you, this is exactly what they're trying to do for all religions. Now, like many of you out there, you wish that you can get rid of fanaticism and radical responses. And this is the response I got. Well, if we have one God and we abolish Islam, abolish Christianity, abolish Judaism, abolish Buddhism and Hinduism, and everyone is under one God, then there's no jihad. There's no terrorism. I thought to myself, are you insane? Who's going to buy that? I mean, there are Christian terrorists. There are Jewish terrorists. There are Buddhist terrorists. Yeah, I mean, they could be. I don't know about the Buddhist people, but I'm just saying um, radicalizing any ideology happens. It doesn't have to be religion. I said, look at now. We have these people saying that your skin color is radical. If you're white, you are a villain. So if it's not religion, it'll be something else. They could say that all ginger people are evil. I mean, someone can, you know, people used to do that. They used to burn them at the stake. So ideology. So they want to create one God and impose that. Change the Bibles, change the Korans, all of that is gone. And they want to make one religion. And the way they're going to sell it to the world is this is the way we cure radical Islamic terrorism. This is how we cure terrorism. And just like that, there will be no funding of terrorism and you will live peacefully. But how will they sell it? How? How will this be sold to everyone? I mean, you have to believe that someone is coming because this is how desperate we are now. We are so desperate, so desperate, so desperate that we will accept anyone that can provide us salvation 
from the insanity, from the perversions, from, uh, you know, the, the, the way the world is now. Hmm. And that's where you should arm yourself with knowledge of yourself. Know thyself because it's coming. And when it comes, that's where you're tested, your internal self. This is why for two and a half years, the, the one thing that I've been saying, well, there's a few things. What is it? Follow the money. They will pull their own pants down. And don't listen to me. Don't listen to anyone. Listen to yourself. So I was shocked to speak to someone so intelligent. And I was so glad that I had this conversation that, you know, we should not do this. I said, the Egyptians wouldn't have built what they built if they weren't by a river and praying to a river god. You know, it could have been a lake god. If it was a lake, it would have been a lake god. Regardless, it was their religion, their culture, their what answered their questions of why am I here? Maybe there's a bigger cause that drove them to it. So it all comes down to every single person. And the thing is that all of us have forfeited our rights for so long to people that were not worthy, to people that were not worthy and they've taken advantage of them and put us in this position. We are in a very disadvantaged position. We do not respect our nation anymore. We do not respect the fact that we are one community and we forget the fact that we are the only nation on the planet that indeed depicts its citizens as free people of people that do not have to bow down that do not that don't have to abide by things you know there's still nations that can kill you for blasphemy in fact greece can actually put you to death for blasphemy so there's a bow down even though it's religion right still the same thing there's tons of them so we are in a very disadvantaged position as a people. And the mistake that was made back in 1776 was saying one nation under God, it should have been one nation more specific on the God because this allowed them to infiltrate. We see it on our money. We see it everywhere. As I said, before the ink dried as it was run down and even tripped on the way to the printer, before it was dry, they were already planning how to dismantle it. So one religion to eradicate everything. So there will be uproar, that's for sure. It will be. They'll tell you it's one whatever God. The Pope's going to decide it, right? He's been talking with them all this time. This is why I've been saying it's very important that we see the way they destroyed nations that resisted was through their religion. Remember Ukraine, I told you that they changed their religion in 2013 before they insurged and put in the riots. Look at now, you know, churches that are asking to be able to congregate. You know, we're not getting that either, right? Smackdown. So how do we stop it is the question. And, you know, once the floodgate is open, you can't stop it. The only thing you can do is redirect that rush of water. And that's up to every single individual. And the only way you can do this is with listening to yourself. Honestly, I see so many people out there. Did you see how many 
people tweeting, oh, they're going to kill. It's going to be a false flag in Portland. They're going to kill a child. And everyone was putting that energy out. That's the type of stuff we don't retweet. That's the type of stuff we call out and say, shut up. Now, they're even telling you that they're in charge of Q. Yeah, right. Huh. They're trying to take away everything you have that provides you any hope. So for yourself, right? And I've said this, your software, the software you have, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing that's said throughout all religion, and that is that the sin of your parent is carried within your DNA. Or you carry the sins of your parents, right? Lineage. That's only programs. That's only software. I'm going to talk to you like it's something, well, because it is, that it's like your computer. It's software. It does not mean that that software, um, it's like having a computer and you want to do, I don't know, you want to be a writer. Okay, let's do it this way. So let's pretend that your desktop is your DNA and you want to be a writer, but all the damn icons on there are to play video games like Tetris. That's all you have is Tetris. Okay. Tetris. And so you have all this Tetris and you want to write and you have this little, little icon of word, but you have a lot of Tetris. It doesn't mean that you have to play Tetris and procrastinate and play Tetris or repeat, repeatedly play all these versions of, of Tetris, right? You can access the Word document and maybe because you have so much Tetris, you can write about Tetris. I hope I'm getting that close. So I want people to understand that as long as you are okay in accepting yourself today in the moment and living for today in the moment for you for good with good um critical critical abilities then you're going to be fine i this this uh information that i'm telling you now what i am putting out to you now is for later it's not for now so it's july you're going to need to start arming yourself uh, in about October, beginning of October. So all of this has already been planned by all of them. This has happened by all of them. This was always the plan. And like I said, even the people accepting this plan, and that's the thing, you know, we tend to think that all of them are evil, but even with the people that have had conversations with that some of them are, you know, advisors to leaders. Some of them are facilitators in communication. Some of them are tech giants. Some of them, are, because I do speak with a variety of people, none of them want to do harm. They believe that this is the right way. And what they don't see is the bigger picture, which is again to the example. If we provide one religion, it's the same thing. The room with the 10 people that wear the same khaki, same t-shirt, believe in the same stuff, speak the same way, write the same way. And then a room with 10 people, 10 different religions, loving 10 different ways, looking 10 different ways. You give them the same problem. The room with the most diverse people 
is the one that's going to give you innovation and a thousand trillion billion kajillion solutions. And the one with the khakis where they're all the same will struggle to just give you one. That's the thing. That is the beauty of so many little souls running around, you know, in humans, you know, on the planet is that everyone is so individual. And then when they come together, it's like transformers. So amazing stuff happen. We get beautiful art, architecture, designs, you know, things to better ourselves. I'm just saying. So I'm saying this now because you're not going to need this now. You're going to need it later. Uh, during this roller coaster, man, we're going to be <laughs> looking at muskets and, you know, sizing them up like, hey, baby, because that's where we're going to be. We're going to be on a darn roller coaster. But what we need to understand is that there's this one guy who wants to get things done and he is single handedly standing in the way of whatever they want to roll out. And this is one of the rollouts. This is one. Because how do you control people? It's social. I even, I, I think I even said this to the one person I spoke with today. I said, you know, I, I don't understand. I mean, you know, you, you guys have like diplomatic community. You can do whatever you want. You can declare, you know, wherever they stand, it's their territory, right? And it's like, but the thing is, this is socialism. No, 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 it's not. It's to, it's to make people more comfortable. No, it's socialism. The whole premise of socialism is to create monopolies. And then this is a monopoly of religion. We decide it's better if everyone just focuses on one religion. We'll create a new book that has all this stuff, but it's more diverse and acceptable of all these other things. And uh, everyone's going to subscribe to that. And that's the way it is. It's just centralizing all ideas, all activities, all consumer goods, and even your thoughts. I said, this is socialism to the maximus. This is telling people to think a different way. Your religion is personal. It's your thought. I mean, you know, there could be someone out of you, um, you know, that uh, out there that's listening right now that believes, you know, God's a woman. I've had people stop me in supermarkets. I kid you not trying to, you know, there's always a mother and a father and there's a woman God, you know, yeah, there's people, but it doesn't agree with me. It's your cup of tea, not mine. But now they want to centralize everything. Look at the consumerism. Look, we've been locked up. Who's been making money? And how do you know the stuff that they're sending you in the mail with your food for delivery isn't tainted? You don't. You just have to accept it. You know, these are the things we need to, um, you know, pay attention to. These are the things we need to be focusing on. Look at them controlling everything. Look at them pooling everything. Make everyone vanilla. Great. Yeah, I use that all the time. No more 31 flavors. Uh, <laughs> it's insane. So we have, you know, we're at a point where we just need to think about that, you guys. We just need to think about that. You seriously need to, on your own, think about it. And I know it's like, that's fruity, huh? Man, religion and politics go hand in hand. I've said that before. In the United States, you think it doesn't. It really, it really actually doesn't look like it does, but it does, just like everywhere. And we see it from China. They're not allowed to be Muslim. They have to beat it out of them. They're putting them into this new one religion, which is kind of like a revamped Christianity slash Judaism. It's really weird. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, read about it, but it's 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 kind of, you know, 
It's like a, it's a mishmash. They've got a little bit of Hinduism in there, some Taoism, some, I mean, it's a mishmash. And it's like, man, you know, that's communist China. I tell my daughter who's like, oh, mom, let's go live in China for you. And I'm like, well, um, you want to experience communism and you want to go for an exchange student for a year there. Then I'm going to have to be doing Tori Says from China. I'm more than happy to. So that way you can see communism and understand why it's not good. Ergo, though. She might be seeing it elsewhere, too. So this is, um, just so you understand, um, to make it clear, the future always changes. Right now, you may be sitting down having coffee or tea or having, a, you know, an early dinner, a late dinner, a cigarette, a cigar, weed, whatever tickles your fancy. Um, and then when you get up, let's pretend you spill something, right? You, your future just changed instead of you, I don't know, going to the bathroom or picking up that phone call. You're sitting there cleaning up that mess. Your future just changed with one little instant move. So the future is constantly in flux, constantly in flux. Time is, is, is not what you think. It's not linear and it's definitely confined to this reality. And there are so many of them. So it's not, be, I'm not telling you this because it's going to happen. I already know the end of the story on the strongest outcome. I'm telling you that it's coming for you. And even though right now, live from all these channels, I have what, 550 people? Okay. 400 of you are going to just bow down to it. And you're like, nope, not me. You are. Not because you're not listening, right? It's because you're not you're at a disadvantaged position. I mean, we've been beaten down. It's like telling someone that you've knocked out time and time and time again to just stand up and buck up and put that Band-Aid on and let's go. That's why I'm planting this. This is why I'm telling you this. So that way, when it comes to it, you know, you kind of remember, wait a minute, I've heard this before. Let me think about this. And that's all you have to do is think about it and listen to yourself. So next week, next week is going to be a little bit exciting because, uh, you know, the control of virus is kind of getting out of control for them. Uh, we saw that we had riots with people back to back, no masks. But, you know, if we don't see all these people in Portland die, right, <laughs> it's going to be us. Um, so. Next week is going to be um, interesting. Interesting. Okay. So listen, um, listen to this report. It is, um, where is it? It's about, it's from CNN. And um, they picked out of his barstool interview what President Trump regrets in regards to uh the control of virus. In fact, they say Trump attempts new tone, but still misleading on pandemic. This is just how desperate they are to paint a picture of the president as if he lacks control, as if he lacks the ability to understand how to uh, come uh, against things. Uh, this is how they operate. And this is how they always will operate because they believe that they should be in control and ergo, they will do everything to do this. So I want you guys to listen to this interview and let it digest. And again, keep it in the back of your mind. What I've said about 
what's coming. Keep it in your mind what I've said about what you will be willing to trade for the sense of freedom. Remember, every single time something huge has happened, like 9-11, right? You forfeit your right to privacy because you're like, well, I have nothing to hide. So rather do that than get someone, you know, come in and kill me. So, and we're going to talk about terrorism more. But first, fear porn terrorism. Take a listen to what they had to say and out of the whole interview, what they picked to talk about. To talk about this so-called new tone from the president from this week, but I mean, he held a White House event for children. They weren't wearing masks. He's still not walking the walk. Yeah, in his actions, I think his uh, actions show that he still wants his world to be just the way that it was before this pandemic, even though for the rest of the country, they have to live in a world in which masks are increasingly... So what does that tell you? They're upset that he is not bowing down to the rhetoric. Look at on their screen what they have here. They have total cases, 4 million. That's 144,000. It's July. This is kind of average. If you put together pneumonia and flu deaths, it's actually below average. So look at how they are putting coronavirus pandemic. This control of virus is out of control now. Their narrative is out of control. So they are banking on terrorizing the people with numbers becoming required in all public spaces, you see at the White House, uh, because the president is being tested so regularly and because people around him are being tested regularly, the president's aides and supporters say, well, he doesn't need to social distance. He doesn't need to wear a mask in the same way that others do. But what the what that shows to the public is that, uh, that it, you know, do as I say, not as I do. There is a part of the job of the presidency that is demonstrating the kinds of actions that he wants uh, the, the American public to follow. And clearly that is not what has been happening at the White House in recent days. Well, you see how the American public, you know, has viewed President Trump in this whole COVID response, right? You juxtapose the poll numbers from the president versus that of um, Vice President Joe Biden. And Biden is clearly pulling away. And, you know, there are examples of how I was talking to Dana earlier this week, and I loved how she was describing how, you know, the president's been on this island of, oh, I'm not wearing a mask and I'm not social distancing. And all of a sudden he's realized, well, maybe I need to, uh, you know, say something different. But I'm just wondering, I mean, three months till the election, I get that, you know, anything could happen. But what more does he need to do COVID wise? Well, I do think that the he needs to demonstrate control over the situation. The fact that Americans don't think he's handling the, the pandemic well is at the core of his low approval rating. And it's not just whether he's wearing a mask. It's not just uh, whether or not he is talking about it. It is also the fact that he's he still talks about not really liking testing. He says he'll allow more testing, but he doesn't really think that testing is necessary. He's still giving the public mixed messages. I think people in this country understand that uh, that there needs to be more testing, partly because when they try to go for a test, maybe they can't get one. Maybe they're waiting a week and a half for their result, and they believe that that is a problem. So it's an overall competence. So now there, it's a problem that people have to wait to be tested. You know, the people that waited to be tested too long went home and then got a call and were told they were positive but never took the test. This is what they're pushing. This is all they're talking about, you guys. The issue for the president, not just one-offs, not just these individual briefings. And until he's able to, to really change that perception, it's going to be very hard for him to recover in, uh, against Joe Biden nationally and in all of these battleground state polls that have been coming out in recent days showing him 
double digits behind Joe Biden. Meanwhile, Obama-Biden team getting together, releasing this teaser of a sit-down uh, conversation that these two had re recently. Here's just a clip. Can you imagine standing up when you're a president saying, it's not my responsibility? I take no responsibility. It's not, I mean, I mean, literally. That, literally. Those words didn't come out of our mouths no, while we were no. in office. I don't understand his inability to get a sense of what people are going through. He just can't, he can't relate in any way. Abby, clearly Joe Biden is seizing on this COVID moment. But again, three months of the election, anything could happen. Do you think this is a safe bet going all in on this for Team Biden? Yeah, I do think the Biden thinks it's a safe bet. I think they want to stay on the course that they are on. They've been criticized even by some of their allies that perhaps uh, he's not out front enough. Uh, some of his allies really dislike the kind of basement Joe Biden that they saw over the last few months. So this is actually, I think, more of what people want to see, these really polished videos bringing Obama in for Democrats, a universally liked uh, fig political figure. And I, I think about how uh, President Trump calls Joe Biden sleepy Joe Biden. I think the Biden can so let's talk about Obama being a figure and then she changed it to politically figure. I'm I'm going to talk about this when the time is right. But Obama is a Petri dish boy and someone had DM me and I should share that he didn't have a real mother and a real father. He was created. Um, his mother, Stanley Ann Dunham, was a CIA operative. She and Peter Strzok's dad were the ones that destroyed Upper Volta and created Burkina Faso back in the 70s. She raised him. The DNA that they cultivated was highly specific. Uh, you know, when you create something out of nothing, you need to give it an origin. Kind of like, uh, you know, when you read stories like Harry Potter, they come from a family living under the stairs. The other one's a poor one. The other one's a rich one. You always have to have a backstory campaign wants Biden to be thought of as normal Joe Biden. They want to present this image of this is what you can go back to, this uh, presidency. Uh, they want to project competence. They want to bring up how the Obama administration was sort of known as the no drama Obama. That is what they want to remind people of. And I think that's what they're trying to do in that video. It's a nostalgia video aimed not just no drama Obama. He was the worst president ever. He is the one that single-handedly destroyed the last frontier that we had separating us from other nations. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And you'll see why I say anger is the problem and hate for the other side is at Democrats, but also at other Americans who uh, they want to recall uh, that era in which things didn't seem perhaps so chaotic as they do now. And they're hoping voters will vote that way come November. Um, I do want to get you on this because yeah. we have just heard the president just did this interview with Barstool Sports. And he made this rare admission saying that he sometimes regrets his tweets. Roll the sound. You know, it used to be in the old days before this, you'd write a letter and you'd say, this letter's really bad. You put it on your desk and then you go back tomorrow and you say, oh, I'm glad I didn't send it, right? But we don't do that with Twitter, right? We We put it out instantaneously, we feel great. And then you start getting phone calls. Did you really say this? I say, what's wrong with that? And you find a lot of things. You know what I find? It's not the tweets, it's the retweets that get you in trouble. So they're gonna laugh about that. Who doesn't regret putting things out there? I have too. I put things out there and I'm like, oh, whatever, it's out in the ether now. You know, um, set a fire and I shouldn't. Oops, didn't mean it like that. You know. Everybody does that. But, you know, look at them smile and they're glad that he what admitted to what 
that he's put out something himself, that he doesn't use a PR firm, that, you know, this isn't it. Mm. See, the instantaneous gratification and spontaneity. Now, I'm a very spontaneous person. Very spontaneous. Only because I think I know better because I have that superpower of, you know, putting things together and I have a response immediately. And, you know, if the, if the, uh, if the iron's hot, boy, do I sizzle. But there's many times that I wish I sizzled different. And there's many times that I wanted to be more collective, especially, uh, you know, when dealing with things. Sometimes, you know, uh, the best, the you know, diamonds are made under pressure. So under pressure, you do best magic, right? It kind of seems like, whoa, under pressure, I did that. Great. I thrive under pressure and so does the president. Now, what was he saying here? He was like, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that yet. But on the other hand, he doesn't. Because I had someone post on one of my tweets. Well, if you have this, why don't you put it out? That's not the point. See, I'll tell you something about corrupt people. All right. If you drop it, they respond. If you drip it, they sweat and then they come and retaliate. Um, this is how you piss them off. See anger, right? Anger makes them very, very, very upset and they come at you. So I'll give you an example. So yesterday, you know, Portland, the AG tried to get, <laughs> that was so funny, uh, you know, access denied. Nope, you're not getting, you know, the feds out. He went in there, oh, they're picking people off. Look at this video. And he's like, that's videos from California. You didn't even do your homework. See, this is what happens when people get pissed. Do you see how everyone was like, look, they're picking them off like cherries in Portland. And we did that. That hijack them to be angered and terrified. The fact that they knew that they were coming for their traffickers terrified them. The fact that they knew that they were going to go down terrified them. You understand? Because when you're terrified and when you're angry and when you want to retaliate, guess what? That's when you trip up. That is, that is why the president was always spitting fire during the campaign, calling him to the carpet when he could have done it more elegantly. Um, and a lot of people don't seem to get that because he is, he easily responds the right way, but, uh, anger or reactive responses are innate either for every action. There's an equal opposite reaction, right? So this is important for us to understand. Yet, even though we provoke, we feel bad. Like I genuinely feel bad sometimes. You know, I feel like maybe Bob Menendez wants to repent for giving away passports and, you know, whoring out our State Department so little girls can have passports to be flown in by Epstein and Ghislaine. You know, he's he was a frequenter of Epstein's Island. There are pictures and videos of him. And yet he sits there and he attacks the State Department like nobody's business. How do you think terrorists get into it only takes one terrorist to blow something up? Well, you know, what if they just get passports? You know, many people it came up where there was a discussion a couple years ago and I talked about it on air. Well, how did they go in and out of the Ukraine? How did they go in and out of Ukraine without being detected? I mean, how did Brennan get to Ukraine? And we don't have it on record because he has another passport. You know, um, having seen it myself <clears throat> and thank goodness this was reminded to me to state 
I know, you know how some people, when they go to um, cities, a mayor gives them like the key to the city, right? Key to the city. Here's a key to the city. Well, there's some nations that make them honorary citizens and say, here's a passport. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so the systems that hold the passports for those in power that are honorable, right? They're not flag. They walk right through, not diplomatic, regular. So that's why I said everyone in intelligence, everyone, even myself, have middle names. And they use them interchangeably. So it's not diplomatic immunity, right? It's a regular passport. And you know, what do you, what do, you do with a passport? Say I want a terrorist, right? And I want him to come to the United States and blow someplace up, right? I get him a clean passport so he can fly in. Maybe he'll fly into Mexico and then cross the border. He's not going to flag. It could be from a nation like um, Chile or, you know, um, Trinidad and Tobago or, you know, St. Kitts or, I don't know, uh, the Virgin Islands, right? It could be anything. It could be from Wales, <laughs> Whoever gives it to me, whatever corrupt individual will make it for me at an embassy and make it legit. So I get him there. So with certain passports in other nations like Qatar, like rich nations too, uh, Saudi Arabia or Cyprus or Ukraine or wherever, you can open up a bank account with your passport. You don't need to have a social security number. Foreigners that come here don't have social security numbers. They can come over here and open up a bank account with the Bank of America and just with a passport. They don't have to provide a social security number. And this is how they get funded. That passport after ju is just for banking. They've arrived and now they've disappeared. That isn't even their name and they've disappeared. They've got a bank account and they've registered some address overseas and they put money in it and all good. And for at least a year, they fly under the radar as long as the transfers are less than $10,000 so they don't get flagged. So they'll just keep coming in and coming in and coming in. So this is how they pay people. You understand? And so when we see that, whoa, the Chinese were funding this, the Chinese were doing that. Is it just the Chinese? I said that they back. I retweeted it. I think it was back in June or May. I was like, the Democrats are recruiting the Chinese. They're asking him to help. And that's exactly what we saw. And they were burning things. Could it have been ballots? Yes. But it could have been paper trail for money or assets. See, that's the thing. It is so complex. So complex. So, you know, when I light fires by putting things out there, it's to make them trip up. Yeah, I'm not a big account. I'm nobody, right? But I know they got eyes on me because they know exactly who I am. Those that are terrified know exactly who I am. Well, maybe because, you know, now I'm a little bit round. So they're going to have to think twice, <laughs> right? They're going to have to think twice. But it, it, this is how, you know, you get them to trip up. This is how they make mistakes, and this is how they penetrate our nation. Now, listen to them enjoy the fact that our president expressed regret because I do all the time. I feel bad. You know, when I, when I, like the voodoo donuts, let me tell you about this voodoo donut stuff one second. So it was a couple years ago, and I used to write for big league politics. This 
This reason is what made me go sour. There was a reporter that I knew that was working on this story. I already knew this. So obviously, I didn't speak with that reporter, nor did I give that reporter any information, okay? So no information whatsoever. I stayed away from it. You know, I was just an observer. And I know a lot, and I still don't say things. It's like, you knew this? Yeah, it wasn't time to say that I knew that. So I, I stay back from it. I fall back, and I just watch. So this reporter had gotten all this information. They were working on it. And then this um, Twitter handle that is called Open Secrets, and they supposedly help expose, right, covered for the Voodoo Donuts people. And they covered for that area, okay? And not only that, NBC came after this reporter. And then shortly after, that reporter stopped working there. Now, was the reporter fired? I don't know. That's not my business. But what I do know is, is what work that reporter was doing, because I was watching everything that reporter was doing. And NBC came down hard. So let me tell you, without even having a story out, right? No story has been published. The person was simply doing their research. Why did all these people suddenly come after this reporter without even having the story out? It wasn't even complete. Ah, you see, they cover for each other. These networks have, uh, you know, the media, police, you know, and entities that you would trust to cover th for them. All of them. They come at you like they are your best friend. They're for America, pro-America, only America. You know, uh, yesterday I saw the Blaze tweet how, oh, you know, Joe Rogan's moving to Texas. All right. So why is the Blaze retweeting him? Is it a big deal because he decided to move to Texas because he knows that California is tits up? Or is it because Jack Dorsey stopped funding his show? And that's interest. That's an interesting story. So, um, uh, uh, Alex Jones was actually on Joe Rogan's show and he was interviewed, right? And it was a good interview, whatever. And he was talking about Twitter and Dorsey and Joe Rogan was really soft on him. So a couple days later, Laura Loomer was going on uh, Alex Jones show and I texted her, make sure you tell Alex that Joe Rogan is funded by Dorsey hundred percent. His whole show is funded by Jack Dorsey. And he, she was like, no way. And I was like, yeah, Square, you know, the payment system and Cash App, they fund all of Joe Rogan's. They're his sponsor for the show. And I told her that and she broke that on air and Alex Jones didn't even know. And it's like, there you see where the interest is, right? There you see where the interest is. This is why. And then just so you know how much damage you do, damage control, who does he bring on his show a couple weeks later? Oh, Jack Dorsey and them. And he's like, oh, just for transparency, I just wanted to say that people know that you fund my show because Square sponsors me. Vagina. China. Yeah, because that's what they do. So sometimes if you guys pay attention, if you guys really pay attention, you'll see I mentioned a few things yesterday, right? A few things yesterday. And a lot of people on Twitter responded to them. Just I'm just going to say that and that's all. And when do you respond? When you know it's about you. And when do you know it's about you if no one mentioned your name? When you're guilty. So just saying. So there's a lot that I know that I don't say because I've said sometimes putting, giving too much information causes more harm than good. Okay. Causes a lot more harm than good because there's no point in creating pockets of fire where we shouldn't. So, um,
I just wanted to also address someone else was like, why aren't you in the white house? And you know what? And this has come from, from people that are like flanking everywhere. Right. Guys, I'm not that type of person. All I want is to be able to do what I do, which is deliver transparent news and call people out like they are. And on the other hand, why haven't I been raided yet? Well, the good guys know that I didn't do anything and the bad guys are pissed, but they can't do anything. But none of them would know how to handle me. They can't recruit me because what have I always said? Everybody has a price. Guess what? I don't. I don't. There's no price. You can't, you can't put a price tag on me because I'm done. See, maybe five years ago, you could have put a price tag on me. Maybe 10 years ago, definitely 15 years ago, but not today. And that's the worst thing is to have someone next to you that you cannot control. That's someone you never want, especially in this type of line of work, right? Uh, where the only loyalty you have is to the truth and, and to the people. And uh, that drives people insane. So I just thought I'd address those two questions because they're reoccurring constantly, right? Reoccurring. So on that, let's look at how they, they, they mocked and interpreted how the president regretted his tweets. Abby, so what do you think of that? Right? <laughs> so interesting. Uh, well, Brooke, I mean, listen to what he said at the end there. He says two things. One, it's the retweets, but also he says people will call him and ask him about what he tweeted. Remember when he tweeted that video of uh, the, uh, the villages in Florida with the man screaming white power, yep. uh, it stayed up because his aides could not get a hold of him to ask him to take it down. He was on the golf course. So it does seem that that is one of the things that he is referring to, a retweet of that controversial video that he didn't look into, apparently, because he says in this clip, that we didn't play this part, but he says later that some things he you don't investigate, but you retweet them and you get in trouble for it. Well, yeah, that was a clear example of a thing. He maybe didn't investigate, uh, even though it was said in the first few seconds of that video that got him in trouble. You don't hear often the president regretting, expressing regret. He certainly didn't apologize. But I think you see there a recognition that, yeah, there are lines that he thinks are too controversial to cross. Does he apologize for them? No. But clearly he understands uh, that they are not helpful to him or even perhaps to his political standing. Retweeting white supremacist tweets, not a good idea, Mr. President. Um, here's my Okay, before we go to that, white supremacy, these are the people that look down on you. If you were to run into them on the street, they'd be like, ew, don't touch me, peasant. Last question, because he also made news. I'm just looking at the notes I was just handed. The president in this Barstool Sports interview said that he loves being president, but that he said his life was great before running for president. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, this is a, something that actually has come up for President Trump many times in the past. He talks often about the great life that he used to have and how much he sacrificed and gave up to be president of the United States. I, I, to be fair, Brooke, he was a very wealthy man, a private businessman. He, he perhaps did not need to run for president. He did. Uh, but it is interesting to hear um, 
to hear someone say that as as president, uh, usually you have people saying how uh, you know great it is to be president, how much they love their jobs. But clearly, this is all weighing on the president. He talks also um, when he when he talks about his prior life, how much he's gone through because of the Russia probe. And I do think that he feels victimized by a lot of the things that have happened to him uh, over the course of this presidency. Uh, principal among them, the Russia investigation, which is why uh, even though it is, it's over, he's been impeached, he's been acquitted uh, in that impeachment proceeding, he has not let that go uh, and, uh, and maybe pines for his old life. Uh, we know he, after the presidency, he plans to have his residence in Florida at Mar-a-Lago. I think he, um, you know, he wants to go back to that life of golfing, you know, Boy, golfing he, on his property. Yeah, that life that he created, right? Because Barack Hussein Obama made millions and bought himself million-dollar homes, right, with our money. How the heck did he do that with $400,000 a year only? That's what we need to be asking. Obama, what is it, dramaless um, uh, Obama, or what is it, no Obama drama, whatever they wanted to put it out? Man, this guy is the biggest snake, let him bring it on. That's the thing. Let him, let them, let them bring it on. Because see, this is for the first time, you know, the people are actually awake and they can see. And, you know, I'm. it sounds really preachy. And I know I have a lot of diverse people listening to me. And the one thing I don't want it to sound like is as if I'm imposing, you know, my religious beliefs. But I'm just going to cite it though. You know, in the teachings, we are taught that, you know, a blind man cannot see and a deaf man cannot hear. But do are they really physically deaf and are they really physically blind is the question. Because sometimes when you see something, you can't unsee it. What does that mean? That you can't forget it? No, because then you see it all the time. And I'm sure a lot of you, uh, those of you that proudly wear your Trump hats that talk about your politics are able to see more people that uh, align with freedom, that align with what this nation stands for. Uh, we seem to flock together and it seems to come out. It's like that thing for all these ladies out there listening to me now. How many of you, when you got pregnant, started to see a lot of pregnant people? You were like, wow, a lot of people are pregnant. No, you could see pregnancy because you were living it. So you were able to see it. That's my point. Seeing and hearing. It's not, it, I want you guys to think of it as a way metaphorically, because it's actually mentioned in almost all the books to hear and to see. So think about it right now. You're starting to see, it's like, you're getting that sleep out of your eye, maybe half your eyes open. Maybe you got a little bit of cataracts and you're taking care of it, right? That's how it is. You're starting to see exactly spiritually blind and deaf. And it's not so much spiritually in on a religion says a religion, uh, you know, perspective, let's say in that sense, but spiritually is an understanding and being in tune with yourself. Um, I've said this again and again, the most incredible computer is found between your ears. Those six inches between your ears is the most incredible quantum computer there is. And without getting too naked, 
These people are sick. And we the people are the cure. Can you see that now from my show from the 13th of July where I told you about the blood and the plasma? Can you see that now how they are sick and you are the cure, hence the need for control? These people are sick, literally. And you are the cure. What are they asking you for? Test, test, test. Why do they want to test? To see if you got antibodies so you can give blood and plasma. You understand that message now from years ago? I'm just saying. Spirituality, it's all individual. It's all to yourself. There is no one blanket. So on that note, I wanted to show you guys, okay? I wanted to show you guys just how... Um, things are happening in uh, Chicago right now. So there was a small report because they're not reporting about it. CNN is dead talking about it. They're not. Um, so first federal arrest in Chicago happened. I want you guys to take a listen to that. Pretty cool. We got something going on. What? Nope. Doesn't want to play. Give me a sec. There we go. Crying for justice and crying for help for those people in Chicago and other cities where we'll be, help is on its way. President Trump earlier this week promising to help Chicago as violence continues to surge. Now the Department of Justice is announcing their first federal arrest in the city as part of the administration's Operation Legend. Here to react, former acting attorney general and author of Above the Law, Matthew Whitaker. Matt, welcome to the show as always. Thanks for being okay. here. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of these arrests, which in particular were for illegal firearm possession and what the goal of Operation Legend should be? Okay, I want to say I loved having Matthew Whitaker on. I don't know if he's going to come on again after I put him in that corner, though. But um, think. So now they're going to tell us about these arrests. But I wanted to jump onto this comment that you can see on your screen. It says they always have one of they have one of your soul. And if they can't get your soul, they wanted to silence your voice from sharing the gospel. Now, listen, you can't sell your soul because it's not yours to sell. First of all. Number one. Uh, selling your soul to the devil is an illusion. They make you think they own you. They tell you they own you. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but this stuff is like super real. Um, you know, this this battle. And um, this is, uh, you know, this is something that you need to remember, that this is a, a real battle. No matter what religion you subscribe to, it is a very very big battle. Okay, so let's continue with Matt Whitaker, okay? Here we go. Yeah, this is what obviously the Department of Justice does the best, and that is is to work uh, collaboratively with local uh, and state law enforcement in Chicago, Cleveland, Kansas City, Albuquerque, and other cities where this Operation Legend is happening to reduce gun crimes and violent crimes in our major cities. And this is something uh, that we've partnered for a long time uh, during this administration uh, to, to end violent crime. And obviously, uh, we can't have the types of senseless killings like the operation is named after. Legend who died, a four-year-old in Kansas City uh, from a gunshot wound in, in his while sleeping in his own bed. So, I mean, these are 
These are important, uh, and it's good to get additional law enforcement resources to work on these violent crimes. What do you say to those people who are concerned about a, a potential heavy hand of the federal government being involved and them potentially stepping on the feet of local law enforcement and how to balance that role between local officials and federal officials? Yeah. I, I don't see that as a legitimate argument, Jed. And what I would say to those folks is you don't understand how the federal law enforcement uh, agencies like ATF, FBI, DEA, and the U.S. Marshals work in our major cities already with these task force that work hand in hand with local law enforcement to help and support and plus up their resources. And so what I see happening, what the president is rightfully doing is sending additional resources to work on these task forces that are already in place to reduce violent crime. And I think it's going to make a major difference. And I think these arrests in Chicago are a good first step. Matt, these, these images that we're seeing are terrifying. I mean, people who live in these communities and frankly, other communities that feel that their community may be next are scared to death for themselves, their families, their businesses. Is there any mess that can come through uh, in terms of getting this situation under control? Because it seems as though these situations like we saw in Seattle can go on for a very, very long time. Yeah, Americans all over our country and especially in our major cities like Chicago and Kansas City and elsewhere want to be able to have their children play in their front yard no matter what neighborhood they live in. And the president is sending additional law enforcement resources to work with local law enforcement to reduce these drive-by shootings, to, to get these trigger pullers and to lock them up because no one wants these people loose in their communities that are just spraying bullets into yeah. crowds hoping to uh, you know hit a target. I think, it's, I think it's a great step, and I think it will reduce violent crime in these major cities. Matt Whitaker, thanks so much for being here. Important insight, as always. I don't know how important that insight was. I wanted more. I wanted more juice, didn't you guys? Uh, so I'm going to show you a video that was um, pretty awesome uh, that I saw. And it's, um, I liked it a lot. So it's in a tweet. I'm going to, so take a listen and watch. Here we go. It's a great honor to be able to introduce for the first time ever anywhere the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump. And that's where we're going to go to now. We're going to go see it on um, uh, YouTube, uh, the full uh, video uh, that they have, because um, I don't know if you guys missed the most important um, part of it which um, was shown on the screen, but we'll go to the full one and um, get the whole video because um, it's a pretty good one. And it's always incredible to share. Give me a sec. He has his um, volume super high too, doesn't he? Or is it just me? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Here we go. Let's share Axiom Reports video. Now watch. Again, I want you to watch it carefully because they're very carefully selected clips. 
Okay, so that was Axiom Reports video, uh, highly selective on the cuts and the screen rolls, which are very important for you guys to see. Um, I was very impressed with the source of it. Uh, so it's um, really important that we remember that. Now, um, there's uh, another video, and it's going to be a reminder video uh, for you guys to watch uh, with me, and that way you can ask the questions that you might have on it. So let me just go to it quickly. And it's, um, it's pretty interesting. Let's see. Mm. Here we go. So this video is kind of a prelude to a documentary type style that, um, Millie Weavers has been working on. And the reason that I tell you this is because the attacks that are going on right now, trying to reality hack you on what's real and what's not, so you can't trust what you see, uh, is important. Now, many people will say, well, maybe it's the good guys, right? The good guys shouldn't be reha reality hacking people. And this is coming from, you know, an OG reality hacker. Uh, the only reality hacking that has to be done is to that of those that wish to control the people. Uh, it's unacceptable because even if you think it's good, good is only perceived in the eyes. Like I said, these people that are pushing agendas to promote socialism don't think they're doing something bad. Okay. They're not. Okay. They're not. So reality hacking is wrong. Even it's if it's for good or bad to the people, the only people I hijack are the people that are getting in trouble. So um, I want you guys to, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I want us to watch it together. That way I could see your comments. And if you have a question, I'll pause it. Um, this is reality. False news has become all too common on social media. And this, this is, is extremely, extremely dangerous, dangerous to our democracy. Are you awake? Are you really awake? What if I were to tell you that your reality has been hacked? That there's a perceived reality and then there's an actual reality. That there's a group of people operating through the perceived reality to affect actual reality. Reality is impacted by your observation of it. But the reality is there is no shared reality. I have exclusive whistleblower information from military officers and actual spies. And boy, is it bombshell. But first, I need to introduce you to a concept there's a lot of misconception about. We are being drawn inexorably into the era of the war of the invisible enemy. Hold on. So there's a question. I'm going to put it on the screen. Very good question. Who drops the 4 a.m. talking points? Ah, it's them. See, it's where they want to drive the conversation for the day. They decide, they have bullet points, and they drop it. I subscribe to that mailing list. 
Uh, they haven't removed me yet. So, cause it's pretty big, man. It's a global list. And I'll tell you what, they tell you what they're going to talk about. They tell you how they're going to do it. They tell you their operations. So, uh, this is, um, uh, pretty, this is a pretty big deal. Okay. Uh, the 4 a.m. drops. I want to assure the American people that we're doing everything we can each day to confront and ultimately defeat this horrible, invisible enemy. We need to consider not only what is conventionally seen as cyberspace, but also the information elements involved in hybrid warfare. We're at war. In a true sense, we're at war. And we're fighting an invisible enemy. Think of that. And while estimates of the cost of cybercrime vary, it's thought that the annual global bill runs to somewhere between hundreds of billions and the low trillions of dollars. By the end of this video series, you're going to understand just exactly what the president is up against. What's taking him so long to go after the deep state and just how amazing the Trump administration really is. So let's go ahead and unmask espionage. The world has been telling you what a spy is but it's incorrect. Hi there, it's Emily Brandwin, CIA spy girl, and today I was on Home and Family. They have been telling you who the spy agencies are, but that's only partially true. Disinformation spread through television, movies, and the media has conditioned the public to be completely blind to how the industry really works so that they can operate right under your nose without you having any clue. My name is Jonna Mendez and I was chief of disguise at the CIA. This is a series of photographs of when I met George H.W. Bush in the Oval Office and revealed to him that I was briefing him wearing a mask. Spies are perceived as normal people without any special skills, thereby disguising their wide range of talents, specialized education, and high IQ. They're called clowns for a reason. It just so happens that oftentimes, women are the most underestimated players in the spy game. With women, you have a broader range of what you can do. You also have one extra step that you could turn a woman into a man. What we do is always additive. We can make you taller, we can make you heavier, we can make you older. They aren't sexy honeypots in cat suits, but rather they are secretaries, assistants, cleaning ladies, hotel managers, and more in kin with the cat ladies. They occupy positions least expected, students, lab techs, etc. Whoa, I'm Julia Child. Welcome to this volume of our video book, The Way to Cook. Well, how do you get from public relations then to Wild Bill Donovan and the OSS? Everybody that I knew was in the Army or the Navy or down in Washington. So that's where I went and I got into the OSS. But that doesn't mean men don't make good clowns either. This is Wait, just so you guys know, the OSS was the predecessor to the CIA, okay? OSS existed in 45 uh, to like about 47, and then they created the CIA. Out of a movie. This is a movie. This is a movie. As we were doing this report, of course, that was the farthest thing from our minds. This question isn't about our enemies. It's about us. The report rated R. Look out for the bellhop, the shoe shiner, the donut shop baker, even the museum curator. 
They're everywhere, especially in IT. Modern PSYOP has evolved and adapted into cyberspace. Through creative and innovative technology, the PSYOP mission is able to effectively counter our adversaries' advancements in unconventional information warfare tactics by shaping the information environment. Techniques used by PSYOP forces include cyber warfare, military deception support, social media messaging. Memes and GIFs pop up, get shared, and go viral with very little oversight. Twitter and Facebook are the wild west of, uh, you know, news gathering. You know, the memes fall right into that. Memes are just another way of getting an opinion. And it suggests that what they're doing is not so much hacktivism, i.e. hacking plus activism, but hacking reality. Within the ranks, they don't call themselves spies. Rather, they call themselves reality hackers. Because we are at an era in which innovation is immediately accessible. Any new idea can not only change the world, but reach the world. Reality hackers change your perspective and nudge the narrative of any given situation, ever so slightly and not to be noticed. Well, unless you're looking with well-trained eyes. There's an electronic billboard that is flashing a naked man. They're inserted to alter the direction of destiny or perceived reality, hence the common time traveler's reference. I was watching Doctor Who, and I asked myself, where can I go to school to learn how to be a time lord? Have you ever noticed how Doctor Who travels through time in a police box? It's sort of a GCHQ inside joke. Can you imagine a situation where a group of villains work together towards a common goal? Notice how the TARDIS is larger on the inside than it is on the outside. Explain to me how this TARDIS is larger on the inside than the out. It's because insides and outsides are not in the same dimension. Which box is larger? That one. Now, which is larger? That one. But it looks smaller. Well, that's because it's further away. Exactly. If you could keep that, exactly that distance away, and have it here, the large one would fit inside a small one. The space that Doctor Who travels in is cyberspace. I define cyberspace as being that, that layer of abstraction, that place where the distances, the locations become irrelevant to the user. Doctor Who started in 1963. Guess what else started around the same time? The Intergalactic Computer Network, or Internet for short. Specialized hardware facilities tend to be expensive, but very efficient. On the other hand, if they can be distributed, then specialized hardware facilities can be very effective and can let us do things that we couldn't otherwise do. Lick was thinking big about the future of networking at a time when there was only a handful of computers anywhere in the world, and decades before the personal computer would arrive. On April 23, 1963, American psychologist Joseph Carl Licklider sent an electronic memo to fellow colleagues in Palo Alto, California. It was the first message transmitted over the intergalactic computer network. Isn't a psychologist a doctor?
Lick Lighter's computer-to-computer -computer memo outlined the early challenges presented in this form of communication, discussing the need for establishing a time-sharing network of computers with time-synced software. Time-sharing, which consists of attaching a large number of consoles to the central computer. Time travel, anyone? Where else have I heard the term doctor and who together? For the past 65 years, the World Health Organization's Global Influenza Surveillance and Response System has been continuously monitoring which viruses are circulating and where. We're able to analyze vast amounts of online data to essentially detect infectious disease outbreaks in ways that we weren't able to before. We also now can access data on billions of people and their movements across the planet. You know, cloud mobile databases that would allow us to track thousands of people and do that efficiently. That information uh, can be used to uh, enable enhanced tracking. In this new COVID-19 time warp we're all living in, for the president's enemies, any good news for America is actually bad news. But I digress. Bell Telephone Company, which essentially set up an eavesdropping system for every household, business, office, etc. I mean, telephone system, needed an upgrade. The telephone network has grown from a single pair of wires into a complex telecommunication system. It must be designed with both the past and future in mind. Having data banks of electronic tape with recordings of everyone's conversations, whether they were on the phone or not, took up way too much space. So electronic communications and data storage had to be created. I see you have your computer linked to the telephone line. Can you tell us how you did that? Yes, well, it's very simple, really. Um, the telephone is connected to the telephone network. The computer is asking me if I want to log on and it's now telling me to phone up the main press cell computer. It asks with a tone, and then I just flick a switch on the modem and replace the receiver. And it comes up with an, op an opening screen. The push-button phones laid the groundwork for fax machines, call switching, and everything we use today. This would eventually become an electronic database of everyone's conversations, communications, messages, etc., that would be sent through, stored, and cached in a permanent database. Hence, the ability to travel through time, well, at least figuratively speaking, through time-sharing computer-to-computer communications, which became the predecessor as a modernized way of eavesdropping. The main reason they were going for the FISA warrant initially was to go back historically and seize all his emails and texts and all that stuff from back months and even years. People with access to this database could travel back and forth revisiting any form of communication anyone ever had. One way of creating shortcuts for counterterrorism, law enforcement, political intrigue, or blackmail was the use of keywords that software programs using algorithms were designed to detect and elevate such communication for examination. Thus spoke Echelon. It's called Echelon. It's so super secret that no one inside the government will acknowledge it even exists. Insiders will tell you off the record that Echelon is a synonym for
for an intelligence-sharing partnership, including Great Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the U.S., which is led by the U.S.'s National Security Agency, or the NSA. Together, they eavesdrop on every corner of the world, on phone calls, faxes and emails, even on ATM transfers. NSA whistleblower William Binney helped develop tools to track communication methods, such as cell phones and email, to pull needles out of a haystack. As the data collection got better and better, but more complex to sift through. How do you figure out what's important in that data to pull out? So that your analysts can look at. Well, you have to know the public switch telephone network is organized, the numbering scheme for the worldwide uh, plan, and and know how to look at blocks of allocations of numbers and and which ones work with other numbers and <clears throat> basically building social networks. That's an analytic issue to target. And then you say these are the groups of, of of targets I want from that data. So then that becomes your priority list of targets. Eventually, there would be a public rollout or front-facing programs, a.k.a. social media networks, where the public foolishly and freely provide the largest source of data collection imaginable. We filed for patents at the end of 2002 for technology which we received in 2006, which is basically what the market calls social networking now. We sued Facebook for patent infringement and won a verdict uh, Facebook is guilty on 11 of 11 counts of infringing that patent. Unbeknownst to the developers of this technology, this wasn't just designed for counterterrorism, law enforcement, and the military to use on enemies, terrorists, and rogue nations. While publicly we were told terrorists, enemies, communists, in practice it wasn't. It was it was all our friends and trading partners. It was actually intended to be deployed on everyone, including U.S. citizens, giving these database time travelers the ability to create predictive program algorithms. The programs can spider through the sea of electronic data, enabling reality hackers the ability to read the future through probability statistics of who, what, when, where, and why. They can calculate if a target is going to get in the way of their global agenda, or who might actually be recruitable to help further their private security agenda. Oh, you thought the government controlled the spies? Ha! Reality hackers get recruited through the public agencies to then get assigned to work for private agencies as contractors with access to databases that technically are only supposed to be accessed by the government. The other part is they, they brought in uh, contractors from the outside, uh, engineers and uh, computer scientists and things like that, to solve what is fundamentally an analytic problem. Hence, data bridges. But we'll get to that in another video. How else do you think they get around FOIA requests, compartmentalization, or violating their oaths to the Constitution? They've outsourced everything to get around due process. But that is a subject for a later report. So um, there's a few questions uh, that, you know, have come up. And um, let me put it on. So yesterday and on Twitter, I posted a book and I've told you that um, 
this book and this writer very, very, very interesting. So if you're on Twitter, you can go take a look at the picture. And it seems that deplorable Roddy Mom kind of saw what I was going with. So that is a clue that this little time traveler has given you. Uh, so let's continue on that. So if those of you that um, don't know, let me let me show it to you on Twitter. I think I can I can find it right, and we'll go back to finishing Millie's incredible video. Okay, because you have to admit that is pretty incredible. And so I believe this is where's the tweet. Mm, that's the one. Let's get it up. I'll find it because I tweeted a lot yesterday. I had a lot of people to light fires under their butts. Um, but um, it is a very good book. Uh, that writer, that author, um, very interesting. And um, here we are. I found my tweet. So I'm going to just swap the screen so you guys can see it quickly before we go back to that. And I, let's see, Twitter. And I was showing everyone my souvenir, this uh, souvenir right here. It's called Knocking Around the Rockies. Burn mark. Oops. And I was showing everyone the date and the assumed name. God, getting real naked here. Let's see. Did I put, someone asked me for something. There it is. And I showed them when it was uh, published and the author's name. So I urge all of you, if you can, uh, you know, you should uh, get uh, Knocking Around the Rockies. Uh, the author is a pretty awesome yeah, a guy. And, um, you know, the date is 1883. That's a uh, first copy. Bad about a cigarette right there. So um, now we're going to go back to Millie's video. I'm pretty sure you can get that book. This is just a first edition book. Uh, so I'm pretty sure you can get that book somewhere uh, or even on Amazon. I don't know. But uh, you should read that book. That author is pretty awesome. <laughs> Time traveler too. Here we go. Let's finish Millie's video because it's pretty badass, huh? This isn't to say that this new form of spying made field operators, agents, and contractors obsolete. You still need boots on the ground. For instance, ClearForce, ShadowNet, and Interactive Internet Activities, or IIA, are great tools but require some human intelligence to successfully hack elections, run psyops, and collect blackmail. Here in the Virginia area, suburban Virginia area, just outside of Washington, the company was called the Analysis Corporation. This parent entity was a security company, and they were doing security services for the U.S. military in Baghdad and throughout Iraq. But at the same time, they had an office in Beijing, and they were approaching the Chinese government-owned companies. Since 9-11, there has been tremendous progress here in the United States as well as internationally as far as putting together that architecture that is required to be able to share and access information. John Brennan left government and went to work for a small intelligence contractor. Different information technology systems. We have different authorities. We have different responsibilities as far as handling different types of information to include on U.S. persons, U.S. citizens. An interesting mix of global intelligence. One former employee of the company called that a huge conflict of interest. 
In addition, it's not just what we've been able to do here within the United States. Why do we have global private security firms that are operating in Beijing and Washington and Baghdad at the same time? We're trying to, and we have, in fact, made a lot of progress internationally. Remember John Brennan's Global Strategies Group? Global Strategies Group, for example, is uh, registered in Luxembourg, not in England. Uh, there are subsidiaries of subsidiaries. Some of these companies are spun out, go public, go private again. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of them. This is where the Analysis Corporation, Global Strategies Group, Jones Group International, Dianology, the Atlantic Council, Wikistrat, CrowdStrike, and many, many other shell corporations of the same cabal of contractors are in the process of subverting governments worldwide, including the United States. All in an attempt to create a world government controlled by a handful of secret private companies exploiting their government contracts through blackmail, extortion, and any means necessary to acquire raw power. Some of you might be wondering, how do we know Millie's sources are not reality hackers and part of the PSYOP? That's the point. I'm not telling you who to trust or what to believe. I'm going to lay out the blueprints, which will help you discern perceived reality from actual reality and how to identify reality hackers and compromised individuals. I'm also not going to point fingers at who the hacks are for strategic reasons, but know they are in every industry, political party, and all political movements, no matter how great or small. What I will do is give you the tools and information that will show you how to spot a hack. Telecom companies and tech companies like AT&T are, are working in a critical way to keep the internet up and running, literally keeping people connected. Let me bring in chairman and CEO of AT&T, Randall Stevenson. AT&T is the owner of this network, CNN. Until next time. Okay, guys. So if you haven't, you know, go to Millie Weaver's site. I know that this video will get knocked down like it did the other day because they don't want Millie's videos up. Ever since she started doing these videos, you know, and getting together with uh, sources, uh, you know, uh, She's been pretty much, she's allowed to be on there just like I am. I just started putting videos out. I've had my YouTube channel, but I just started. And, you know, a lot of people probably still see ads. Uh, well, I have to leave them on there because, or else they kick me off if I take them off. So, and I don't make it. I don't make any from them. So it's just a matter of time till they take away my super stickers too. Because they do not want this information out there. They don't want you knowing the facts. And, you know, exactly this. No one's going to tell you. No one is going to tell you. <laughs> so I get blood plasma ads, of course. But again, like I've said, and I told you guys through different means many, many times before, these people are sick and you are the cure. And this is where it comes down to it. And now you can see it because as I've said about time, time changes. The cure always, always changes. But huh, guess what? The fixed points in times happen. And that's why I said that in the end, the only thing we can do is hope that that fixed point in time has a reduced impact. That's the only thing we can do. Uh, 
looking forward, I can tell you, just like every other story, every book you've read, good guys and God always win. So that is something you need to remember. In the end, the good guys win, but you need to be actively taking part in your reality. And as you collectively strive for the same reality, then it manifests because you are in control. So everything you're seeing, even from the good guys, I mean, you guys saw that cue hack, right? Didn't you? Oh, you know, people were posting and they meant good. No, they were covering up the fact that they know that someone's going to tell on those that tried to enter the Q space. You can't get into quantum computers. Stop. Stop. So um, please turn your screen messages off. Oh, nobody wants any messages on the screen. Uh, <laughs> So just remember, this is all a reality hack, good and bad. So all you have to do is to be able to discern it. And how? By listening to yourself. Uh, thanks, hurdling. Thank you, hurdling. So that's what you have to do. You just have to trust yourself. And those with the tools of quantum computing can help and give nudges <laughs> to break out, you know, the move. Oh, oh, super chat. Thank you, Sergio. Uh, so remember that quantum computing can help uh, kind of clear the space, like part the sea a little bit for you so you can see clear. No water, no fog. Just look. And it's up to you to go through there. People take you to the water, can't force you to drink, can they? So uh, the beginning of the show, everything I told you, take it, digest it and percolate on it and think again and again. And again, go to Millie's channel, go to her website. She puts everything there uh, just in case, you know, uh, one day they just eradicate it completely, but it's kind of difficult because, you know, she is an established media persona. Remember, it's up to you. And I've told you many, many times, the president isn't who they want. They want you. And the reason they want you is because these people are sick and you are the cure. And I hope I delivered that to you because I think people kept thinking these people are sick meant, oh, they're sick and twisted. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're very twisted. But it was all about you being their cure. So I wanted to say on that note, I want you guys to have an amazing Sunday turn your phones off, relax, you know, watch some TV, knowingly and willingly watching TV and understanding that it is a reality hack there too, because it is through that, through those means that they nudge you. So, and yes, yesterday they, uh, there was an attempt, correct? It happens all the time. This one will too. Um, so keep your chins up. Think for yourself. Do not fall in pockets. If you see people, thank you, CJ. If you see people uh, telling you, oh, there's going to be a false flag. Yes, there's probably going to be tons of them and they're not going to be false. It's going to be real blood this time. But that's for another time. For now, 
This week that's coming up, we're going to have some some big changes because last week we got throttled a little bit. This is why the RNC was canceled, uh, right? It was canceled. What we had planned for last week was canceled because other things came up. These people are so deranged that they'll probably ask for a nuke to fall out of the sky and crash down on Jacksonville, Florida. This is how desperate they are because he is ruining everything and we need to help him ruin it together. <laughs> so God bless everyone. Enjoy your evening. Kick back and enjoy your house arrest <laughs> as much as you can and stay positive, pray and trust yourself and no one else. God bless. And when my father's died, when dawns are near and dry, from every mountain side, let freedom.